Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. Today on episode seven, we have an amazing woman and my dear friend, Emily McAllister. Emily is a sober mommy blogger who resides in Southern California with her husband, Mike, and their two daughters, Aiden and Frankie. She started her blog, Chasing McAllister's, in 2014 and has been wildly successful. The blog has been featured on CNN, Scary Mommy, The Bump, Babble, Baby Center, Love What Matters, and What's Up Moms. Chasing McAllister's blog is an unfiltered, authentic, and honest account of motherhood journey from a woman in recovery. Emily was also my roommate, and we got sober together, so we have some really fun, awkward stories to share with you that hopefully will make you laugh as much as we did, including the time she cut her own bangs. I hope you enjoy this very much, and we're off to episode seven. Let's do this. All right, Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. I want Uh to get into your amazing story and... But we should talk about something that just happened. You were recently, like a few, like last week, like last (laughs) week, hit by a drunk driver in the middle of the day. I absolutely was. Um, Super crazy story. I was picking up, I was actually en route to pick up my seven-year-old from school, had my two-year-old in the back of the car, and we're... Ironically, we're driving on the freeway listening to your podcast. Oh, dear so. Lord. Dear Lord. <laughs> you and Pat. So shout out to Pat. And I don't even know her, but you yeah, know, I'm shouting her out. But, um, and I just. Thanks for walking me through my car accident. <laughs> if I died, you would have been the last person oh, I heard. thank you. Hey. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I don't know. It's like a flash mob <laughs> singing. I know. Sorry, car accidents make us Where punchy. Um, no, and I just like I said, I was listening, I was kind of zoned out listening and I was paying attention to the road, but I heard like screeching tires and then was like, that is getting closer. And then we were hit and on the freeway, on the freeway. And like miraculously, the impact wasn't that crazy. I was able to get over to the shoulder. The girl ran. I didn't know it was a girl. I just assumed it was a guy. I was like, that guy. But like, I kept waiting for like another car to pull over. And wait, I wait, tell look- us what time it was. It was two fifteen in the afternoon. Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. But um, I was like, kind of looking in my rearview mirror. I was talking to nine one one on the phone, and I was like looking to see if traffic was backed up behind us because I'm like, surely like somebody's stuck in the middle of the road or I thought there was a pileup. Right. And then I was like, nobody else is pulling over. Like, where is this? And she's like, you need to pull. She's like, you should pull off the freeway and go to a gas station. It's not safe to be like on the shoulder of the freeway. This is the 911. Yeah. As I'm like dragging my muffler. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> but um, and I'm like, are you going to, is somebody going to go back and get that car? Because like, I was like, Kind of pissed. Like, we just got hit out of nowhere from behind. And so then um, when I pulled off to the gas station and the highway patrol finally got there, and I could hear, like, on the radio what was happening, and it was a hit Mm -hmm. and run. But somebody amazing – well, somebody – when I was talking to the 911 lady, she had said somebody had called in a partial plate, which I was like, oh, man, like, that's it, you know? Yeah. But then other people called in and somebody amazing or some pe- – I don't even know if it was one or two cars – took it upon themselves to follow yeah. the girl 
who wound up at a trailer park. Oh. And she, they told her, like, she needed to stop because they were, the police were coming. And she went into the trailer park. And then finally she was apprehended, which is this. I found this all out later on. But at the time, I was super mad. I was like, I told, like, I was ready to, like, I was like, take me to court. We're pressing every charge. Like, you endangered my child. You yeah. punched mama bear. Like, yeah. And I was ready to go. But then around, like, 7.45 p.m. that night, I got, um, this is like after we had been towed and all the stuff, and um, I got a call from the officer, and he had told me it was like a young girl, probably in her, around 25 years old, and she was way over the legal limit and like um, drinking from drinking, yeah. and had apparently said she had broken up with her boyfriend, which sounds like a really lame excuse, but was on like some sort of a bender, and she had been arrested, and it was so interesting because immediately. I, like, wasn't angry, and yeah. I just felt, like, really compassionate for her. I felt sad yeah. for her. I felt like, yeah. man. But the funny thing is, is, like, I was, like, people at, like, my daughter's school, they were, like, at 2.15, and I was, like, acting all appalled that anybody would be directed <laughs> to on a Tuesday. And I'm, like, this is so – and then finally, like, I was talking to another alcoholic, and she's, like, come on. Are you really that surprised that so- – like, yeah. don't act like you could – you know, yeah. and I'm, like, yeah, yeah you're right. Like, yeah, but you, I drop, you dropped into your mainstream mom role. I did. I was, like, I know. I mean, like, <laughs> like it's so silly because – I no, mean, I do that too. Two fifteen yeah. is probably like late in the day yeah, for what? somebody. And she broke up with her boyfriend. That's a I mean, very I don't know respectable if she reason. She said that, you know. Yeah, that but might I mean, have been that's she t- if she yes, had. That's yes. a respectable and she reason did for admit, an alcoholic she to get like, drunk. It, yes, and she admitted to the whole thing and said she got Aww. scared. Like apparently, what happened is she lost control of her car, hit us, spun, came to a stop on the freeway, and then she sped off to one other exit. To another exit. So she, um, it's wild. Like it's just like. Very surreal and very like, oh, like that could be me, right? Like we could just trade places like 10 years ago and I could be the person hitting somebody. But I'm just so glad you're okay. I know. It was crazy. We just, it was literally a best case scenario of like. My heart stopped when I saw that. It really did. I I saw. (laughs) I know. That's why I was like, we're okay. Yeah, I know. We're fine. (laughs) We're okay. But we got hit by a drunk driver. I know. I, I pretty much in my head, I heard the we're okay part, but you said we got hit by a drunk and driver. And go to other places. Yeah, and yeah. I just And you're couldn't. like, what's your definition of okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's funny because, you know, we talk about <laughs> like drinking and driving and all the debauchery that we do. And then when we're harmed by it, you know, or our friends are harmed by it, it's really hard. You know, even though you and I both have mm-hmm. all this history, all this understanding, compassion, we're married to people in recovery, we've been through rehab, mm-hmm. like all this stuff, we have all the tools and knowledge, but we still feel the same way any other person who didn't understand the disease would feel Totally. That's our immediate reaction. Well, I honestly assumed, I guess I just assumed whoever it was was like texting or something stupid or racing. Like, so that was for me like racing at 2 p.m. I don't know. People get stupid on the freeway. Yeah. Like, you ever see people? I mean, it's kind of scary out there. And I, yeah, anyways. But yes, and <laughs> I don't want to bash my own driving, but you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not the best driver in the world, but like, but not the worst. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the worst. I'm definitely not the worst, but. That's aside from <laughs> I don't know why I even said that. I'm a great driver. I'm an excellent driver. Yeah, let's just go with that. It doesn't matter how- No, I was paying attention to the road. There was nothing extraordinary happening on the freeway that day, which was why it was, like, alarming. Everyone was doing 65 miles an hour. Yeah. You know, it was just weird. But anyways, yes, but when I did find out she was drunk, I immediately thought, I just, like, she may not be an alcoholic, but I just immediately thought she probably is. You know what I, I mean? mean? And, like- Let's be honest, if I was 25 years old, driving on the freeway drunk, and hit somebody, 
I would probably also be so scared and not make a great decision and probably take off as well. Yeah. Because that's what you do. You're not in the right frame of mind. When I mean, you're drunk. most people don't make good decisions when no. you're drunk at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> I didn't. It's just, really. Right? Like, so it's just, just kind of bottom line, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So, anyways, we're good. And it's kind of a funny full circle moment. And I think, like, we're still, I'm still like processing. Yeah. Like, I'm like a person who tends to minimize things. So when something, big happens. I'm like, no, we're good. It's all good. We're fine. Like, I'm yeah. good. Yeah. I'm like a, apparently I'm a number two Enneagram. I don't know if that means anything to anyone, but just that, putting it out there. But not there because there's like, that is like a common reaction, I guess. Yeah. But then I'm also a very close seven. So. Oh, okay. You should look up your Enneagram. I will. It's very interesting. I'll do that. Well, I'm really glad <laughs> that you're here and that you made it in and yeah, you know, hopefully this woman will Maybe she'll listen to this podcast. And oh, yeah. Maybe, or maybe she'll get sober. Yeah. Some time to think in jail. <laughs> she, I, well, the next morning, I'm like, she's waking up really sober this yeah, morning. Real like, sober. Real sober in real a cold sober. cell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad she's okay. Well, kind of shifting, you know, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about your story. I want people to hear. We, You know, you and I used to live together. We have this amazing history. Crazy history. Um, just, yeah, crazy history. And... Uh, so you, you've been sober almost 10 years now. Yes. It'll be 10 years in September. That is absolutely amazing. You grew up in Boston? Yes. Raised in a suburb of Boston. I also heard on your other one that she was like claiming Cleveland and thought that that was like maybe lying. So I, I claim Boston, but really I'm from Newton. <laughs> so then I felt like, oh my God, now I have to claim, like I, yeah. I just say Boston because it's like yeah, seven miles outside that. of Boston. I feel like every, that's why I told but her, Newton I said we all do that. Boston. Yeah, Newton yeah. is a very affluent, wealthy suburb of Boston, but it is like seven miles away. So it's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. Newton's right next to Cambridge, which is, you know, where Harvard is homed, mm. housed, housed, housed. And anyways, um, I grew up in, I grew up in a suburb of Boston. Um, the town I grew up in was very kind of high pressure. There's a lot of old money, a lot of overachieving. There's a lot of like random celebrities that come from my town because it's a very, it was like the school systems was very like art centric and, right. and there was a lot of opportunities there to do those types of things. Anyways, grew up there. I had an older sister who is not alcoholic, although she does, she's got her own, I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. But like she just never manifested for her with drugs and alcohol. And she more identifies, like, we both come from a family with, like, lots of fun food stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's and funny. So, Me too. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't really know what to say about that other than, like, you know, I had this older sister who could walk the line and I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I just was, like, a misfit. Like, I felt like a misfit. I felt like. Did you do well in school? I don't even know. Like, <laughs> when Not. I went to school. Yeah, right. No, I did well. I was smart, but. I definitely could have, I don't know. I was like, had a short attention span. I, okay, so I did well until I like didn't go to school, but then like I would come back and like, <laughs> it's hard to do well when go you go to an go. English class and like write this paper, and the teacher would be like, you are like failing the class because you don't come, but this is an A plus paper. Right. Like, what is wrong with you? Right. And so it was kind of like that. It was like when I, the thing that was always said on every report card was like, she's not applying herself. Yeah. Which was like so annoying because, yeah. It just becomes cliche, and you're like, I know I'm not applying yeah. myself. I am not sitting in your class, so I'm clearly not applying myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was just that person in high school who, like, I could be on my way to class, and then somebody would, like, want to go smoke pot, and I'd be like, oh, okay, let's do that. When did you start When did, <laughs> when did you start using? I mean, I started – you know, when you're young, it's like the opportunity to drink is not as prevalent as 
like other things. But I did. I remember like getting, drinking the first time in like seventh grade, and it was so cool. And then I went and visited my sister at college in ninth grade, and got really drunk. They had like she was in, like a sorority, and they had big like festival f- fraternities and sororities. And I was drunk, and I felt cool. And a boy like proposed to me while he was drunk, and I oh, wow. felt really pretty. You know, you know? It took me a very long time to make that happen. I know. Well, I don't think I don't, I'm gonna go ahead and assume he wasn't serious, <laughs> but it was fun to feel like important and special yeah. and, like, get, get this attention. Because for me, like, when I drink, like, part of the appeal is, like, I like to feel confident and, like, pretty and, like, mm. pe- I get attention. Yeah. I like to go out and be seen and get attention. And so, anyways, but yeah, so I started kind of just dabbling in, like, high school. And then when I was freshman, I think freshman high school, I started smoking pot and felt like I had arrived a little bit. <laughs> and um, I just kind of... When you say, what do you mean, like, felt like you had arrived? I just kind of felt, like, at ease. You know, I had something to do with myself. I had somewhere to go. I had people I could, like, connect with, you know. I think, honestly, if I really, like, look back at those years, I think I was struggling with, like, depression. And I probably knew it, but it was just such a different conversation back then. We didn't really talk about it. Yeah. And, like, you were weird, you know, if, if, and I just didn't know what it meant to be, to be that way. What, so like, <clears throat> how did, you didn't feel comfortable in your skin or what was? Yeah, and like I would just get like, like I'm very social and extroverted, but also yeah. like introverted in some ways. I guess that's an ambivert. <laughs> like mm. I've just learned that. Yeah. But um, I would get like social anxiety, you yeah. know, like overwhelmed or, um, you know, I was at the beginning stages of an eating disorder. So I would like panic to the point where like about like what to wear, you know, like I, I couldn't find something to wear and I would just not go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like really uncomfortable. I have that problem now. I know. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it was marijuana first, and yeah, like I thought honestly when I was like fifteen, sixteen, I like thought that pot could change, like save the world. <laughs> I literally thought if everybody just got together and smoked weed, like we would have world peace. I'm not kidding. Like, no, I believe you because when we lived together, you wanted to be a pot farmer. So we'll get <laughs> we'll get there. I believe it. I've, I've seen that part of you. Yeah, like I just thought like because it dumbs you down and it like it slowed me down and I was like, oh, were you too fast? I felt like I was too much like my whole life. I felt like I was like too much energy, took up too much space. Like Mm. so like I did a lot of things to make myself smaller. Like I, you know, I threw up my food. I took drugs. You know, I just like wanted to be this tiny little cute person that needed to be taken care of or something. I can't I don't know. I was just. Like, very lost. Yeah. Very lost. So you're starting an eating disorder. What 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 is an early – I mean, I know what mine look like, but what is an early eating disorder for Emily look like? Okay, this is really good because I haven't actually ever really – I don't think I've ever really, like, shared – like, I mean, I talk to people, yeah. but I've never, like – you know, I'm, I'm a blogger and I share really openly and, like, yeah. recently got really honest about my recovery and sobriety. But I don't think I've ever really delved into the eating disorder side of things, and that's honestly what took me down. Yeah. I mean, all the things took me down. No, but, but that was the thing I felt like I was going to kill myself over because yeah. I could not stop. Yeah. But um, so what it started like, and it's so funny, it started like it started with depression. Like I felt I, I'd gone to overnight camp every summer, and I remember like specifically, it was probably like eighth or ninth grade. I came home and I was sad because like when you come home from being away for two months with people, like. It's depressing, but also, like, I think I was, like, a de- had depression going on. And I remember not, like, I felt so sad that I didn't want to eat. Mm. It was amazing. 
I have to yeah. be really sad to yeah, not want to. Yeah, wow. Eat. That's happened I used to, to me j- like twice in my entire life. I used life. to joke with my husband, like, can you just pretend to leave? Yes. <laughs> so yes. That I don't eat for yes. It's really sick. No, no. But yes, it has I to be, I have to be very sad. The eating disorder in me sees the eating disorder yes. in you. Namaste. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I like didn't eat for like a week or something. And I felt really empowered by that because then I felt thin. And then I thought, hey, like, I'm going to do this because I don't know. It was like, I know it's like, I don't like. How old were you? I was, I'm going to say like 14. Okay. okay. You know, young. And I also have a very vivid memory. I guess we're going down this lane. This is where this conversation is going. Let's take it. Let's go. Let's go down (laughs) the rabbit hole. We're about my drug and alcohol, but we're talking about this. Um, It's the And here I want to like preface this. Like for me, drugs, alcohol, eating disorder, codependency, it's all under the same exact thing. It's yep. all the same void, the same ism, and I just reach for different things to fill it. And so, but I do have a very vivid memory of being like 14, laying on my bed on like a Saturday afternoon and spent like three or four hours staring at Vogue magazines. It was like a very, it was like a double issue. Mm. And like studying these women. They don't women, make those anymore. They don't. I don't know. No, they don't. They, and these women, I did not know that they were like, you know, six feet and I was mm-hmm. five, three little Jewish girl with a short yeah. waist, <laughs> but uh, with those genetics, right, you know, right. and um, and like studying their like hip bones and like it was and it was the '90s. It was like the early '90s, so like bell bottoms were in. It was like that '70s heroin chic look was very right. very popular. Hanging Kate off Moss. the hips, yes. And I was like, I mean, I literally studied this magazine. Like it's it's a it's imprinted in my memory, and and I was I was like just fascinated and wanted to be like that. Yeah. And here's the thing, like I am, I was playing soccer very competitively and I will always err on the side of having like an athletic build. Like I will always have muscle. Yeah. Like even at my fittest, thinnest, you know? And so I did not understand, this is why it's like so important for us to like break down these things, but like I didn't understand that like that was not going to ever, I was never going to look like that. Like I could start, even at my like skinny smallest going into treatment, like I still could pass as healthy because it was like lean muscle, you know? Right, right. But it's, um, it's just your, you know, physically, all of our on genetics. The yes. So I just remember that. And then from that point, there was a point in which I like would try to starve myself, but then eventually I would binge because I was freaking hungry and I would like freak out and felt like I wasn't doing it perfectly and then throw up because I was like, oh, well, I, it, it was like um, damage control. That's exactly, like the literal words in my head for bulimia was always damage control. That's interesting. So where did you get the idea to throw up? I really don't know. I think it was just like, I don't know. Because people really didn't know. talk about it as much back no, then. No, and may, I don't know if I'd seen an after-school special. I mean, literally, like, things were so cheesy in the 90s. Like, I've been rewatching <laughs> 90210 for, like, five months. It's taking me that long before he passed oh, away. Oh, no. I know. I was on season five when Dylan died. It was oh, really sad. No. But but that show was, like, kind of breaking, cutting edge at the time. Like they oh, were I doing remember. These, and it's so cheesy. The if Peach you go back Pit? Home, just all of it. It's yeah. bad. It's the worst show ever. And what? I was a, it's bad. I haven't rewatched it. You should it. go back and rewatch it. My memories it. are that this I'm was... telling you, I don't know how they made it to season two because season one was so bad. Really? Yeah. You really should. It's on Hulu. Everybody, this is a plug for Dylan McKay. Aww, Reignite Dylan. your love. Luke Perry. He was really great. But anyways, we're, I've digressed. Um, <laughs> but yes, back then it was, I don't know. I don't know where I got the idea, but I got the idea and it had the same effect. In fact, like it made me feel like, oh, like it felt me like I would go out with friends and we would go eat and then I would like race home and throw up and I felt like I had 
one up on you. What? How old you were you had, doing that? This is like fourteen. Okay, this is fourteen. This is like when it started. Yeah, you know. And okay. then um, were you using it? Or sorry, were you, were I mean, you, I was. I was smoking pot, but I was also really isolating a lot too because, like, I was. You kind of just have to when you're in that type of an eating disorder. You're not. It, it's not very like social, like <laughs> to be throwing up your food, but I got really good at it, you know? And then as I, and it progressed through high school and I got, I got like really thin and I got a lot of positive feedback because of that. Yeah. Like a lot, you know, like boys noticed, girls noticed, and I felt like cool and yeah, like it was just everything I wanted it to be. I still felt like crap inside. I still felt like not good enough. I still yeah. felt not thin enough, not pretty enough, but yeah, and I was drinking Sometimes, I mean, when I could, you know, um, and then, so then, I mean, I feel like we should move out of high school because that's just kind of the way it was. I got expelled in high school. <laughs> so you moved yourself out of high school, it sounds like. Well, no, I switched schools in 10th grade because I was having issues. Really, my parents decided my high school was too big and I was getting lost in the shuffle and that was the problem. Oh, um, makes sense. Makes <laughs> Always the nice yeah. excuse for you. So I switched schools to a smaller school that like was part boarding school, part day school. But there was a lot of drugs there because all those rich kids from overseas, like, had all the good stuff. (laughs) And so we were doing, like, really random things like ketamine and, like, just experimenting. Like, just mushrooms, whatever, you know. Um, Crushing up my Ritalin prescription. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I had gone to – I had gone – I had – I got arrested during school hours and they frowned upon that. And I, I uh, got expelled as a result. And it was, like, really sad because I had grown up doing, like, acting and dancing and singing. And I loved performing. And then I started playing soccer and I was really good at it. So, like, I basically, like, when you play club soccer, you play at a certain level, you have to decide, like, are you commit? what are yeah. you committed to? Yeah. So I, I committed to soccer. But um, by the time I was – this was when I was, like, a senior in high school now. And I was, like – I think I had just turned 18 because I'm a November kid. And – I had played my last season of soccer. I decided I was done. And I had randomly on a whim auditioned for the school musical just because, like, it was still in me. And I got the lead. It was crazy. It was Little Shop of Horrors. I was the dumb blonde Audrey. <laughs> and I was so excited. It was such a fun character. And I got expelled, like, two days before the performance. Mm. So it just was, like, this reoccurring theme in my life of, like, I had this thought in my life that when things were going well, like, God, this was my concept of God or that the world that I they were gonna God was gonna come pull the rug from under my feet. Little did I know like I was pulling the rug from under my feet. But that was like I had this belief that I was living out all the time. Oh, just when things are good, they're gonna go away. Yeah. And it was like I don't I was just so bummed. Like and I was in a lot of trouble. And like the dean of the school showed up at the jail and gave me that look. Whoa. Do you know that look? Like Whoa. that look of oh. like you're a piece of garbage look of yeah. like the shame and the like head shake and the Ugh. like you know, incomprehensible demoralization. Yeah, and that yeah. was that was a result of hanging out with really bad people. I was hanging out with these guys. They all had records, you know, thick records, and we were drinking. And I, and this is at this point, the eating disorder had subsided. Right. And I was switching. drinking 40s every day and gaining a lot of weight because <laughs> if you drink a 40 ounce every day for like six months, you're going to yeah, it's like eating get a, fluffy. It's like <laughs> eating a pizza every day. Well, then we would eat like, you know, then you would, yes, <laughs> we would. I just was like hanging out with these guys. They were such pieces. I was hanging out with one of them specifically. Like he's, I know he's like dating other friends. It was just gross. Like it was just, I was really had low self-esteem, which is why, you know, I always say that like 
self-esteem is like probably the most important thing that like I have to instill in my kids mm-hmm. because I just think like everything else comes after that. Yes, because girls who even alcoholic girls, but girls with low self-esteem or girls with high self-esteem don't find themselves in situations that girls with low self- self-esteem do. That is that is on point. I mean, it's sure. gnarly. So, and you know, and self-esteem isn't what I don't know if you had this experience, self-esteem isn't what I thought it was because for me, I thought self-esteem was thinking that you're smart and pretty. And right. I like really and I remember going to treatment and they were like, you have so low self-esteem. And I'm like, well, I know I'm smart and I know I'm attractive. And yeah. so I have self-esteem. And it was completely No, it's like liking who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I miss that. And feeling like you're contributing positively to the world. It's a feeling you yeah. have. Like yeah. it's a, it's a feeling of worth. It has nothing to do with like, I know that I have fast firing brain cells. Yes. Or that like Somebody will sleep with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know I'm pretty. That guy will but, sleep with but me. But that's what I placed value in. I agree. Me like, too. I needed to feel attractive, and I mean, no, to no like discredit to my parents, but I grew up in a home, and it's so funny because we grew up in opposite homes. I grew up in a home where we didn't talk about things. Right. Like I basically watched <laughs> like 16 Candles and wondered like, okay, where's Jake Ryan? Is he coming with my cake at the end of the movie? Like, I don't know if you, you guys, I don't know. Now I'm feeling old because that's a 19, oh, I, an I, 80s I, movie. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm with you on it's the It's probably like candles. my very favorite movie too, but that and like Dirty Dancing. But I literally felt like these John Hughes movies from the 80s like shaped how I viewed like how love and sex and all that stuff was supposed to be. Because you didn't um, talk about because it. it was awkward. It was like uncomfortable. So my with, parents, we with didn't your have parents, a, yes, we didn't have like a drug and alcohol talk. Not really, you know. We didn't have the sex talk. It was like, God forbid, somebody be kissing on TV. It would be like everybody just clams up and don't look at each other. Do not make eye contact. <laughs> like really uncomfortable. Okay, but and so we do things very differently. In here's our home. the thing, though. We talk. We talked about that, you know, a lot in my family, and we, you know, we're very open. Now, turns out, we're adults and. And, uh, and, and so, but we still, when we, that happens in a movie and my whole, I'm, it's, I'm still, it's still uncomfortable with my parents in the room and which is stupid because like I have kids and I'm married, so they know where that would happen. But I just, I still, you know, I still, they still, people start to have sex. I'm like, I really wish my parents weren't in the room right now. This is so awkward. Yeah. It's awful. It's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. So how did you – okay, so you get arrested. You're, you're total – you know, like it's falling apart. How did you get out of Boston? Okay, so I was I was on probation for a little while, and I had to finish school a semester late. So I like – it was like How a, old were you? What, I was 18. 18 now, okay. And I don't even know if I had friends anymore. It was just like <laughs> – I mean, I did, but it was like I had just – the friends I had were like lower companionship. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I was not – hanging out with the people who I had come up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I do. So people went off to college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I had to make up a social studies credit. So I volunteered at a preschool. It was, like, so... <laughs> and then I got my I got my grad, my diploma. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, and then um, how did I get out of Boston? So I had an opportunity to go work at an overnight camp. So I'm, I'm Jewish. My family grew up Jewish. I'm not a very... Good one, but I grew up doing Jewy things, like going to Jewish overnight camp. Yeah, and and I had gone to camp in like New Hampshire. But then I don't know how somebody knew somebody, and they said that I could go be a counselor, a camp counselor at this camp in, or like go work in the preschool or something <laughs> at this camp in South, Northern California. And I was like, okay, like I was just so ready to get the heck out. Like I literally am like the definition of like the geographic relocation because I will completely reinvent myself somewhere else and be somebody different. I will decide who I want to be and then go be that. So I went to this camp and 
That was great. And then I— um, In NorCal. In NorCal. I think it was in Saratoga. Mm-hmm. And Camp Swig. Woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving them a bad rap. You're like, yeah. They're not even—I don't think they exist anymore. Because I was on probation, <laughs> and then I went and but volunteered. Was and then I was working with kids. Yeah, and then no. I was working with the kids. No, but then—and that was super fun and super good for me, and it kind of got me back to, like, me a little bit because I was— around non-felons, you know. And um, <laughs> it's amazing what that'll do to a person. Yes. And then I I don't remember. I went back and then I came back to Boston and I was a hot mess with my eating disorder again. That's what it was. I got very very sick with that like real isolative. I was kicked out of my mom's house. I was staying with my dad. They were separated at this point. You were kicked out of your mom's house for your eating disorder? No, for being a schmuck for being an a-hole okay. because I was like, I was drinking and using, but I was so irritable. Yeah. I was just yeah, yeah. a mess. And yeah. I actually probably could have used to be drinking daily. You know what I mean? But I wasn't. But I was really in it with my eating disorder. Actually, I don't know. I'm all backed up. I think I... Well, how do... Okay. It doesn't matter. Let's skip okay, that Okay. We'll skip that so anyway, part. So, so then I went back to the camp the following summer. And then after that, I had a friend. Then I was in Boston. I was doing nothing good. And I had a friend who was living in... Prescott, Arizona. She was, she was, um, we'd become really good friends in, at camp. And she had like a psycho roommate, little did she know, who, who was moving out and she needed a roommate. And I had frequent flyer miles from going back and forth to California. So I had like a free round trip flight anywhere. And I decided to use them in Prescott, Arizona. And I just, on a whim at like three in the morning, I booked a flight. I booked a one-way flight actually, because... Oh, maybe I booked a round trip. I don't remember. But anyways, I ended up in Prescott, Arizona. I think it was like just turned 2000. And how old were you? Well, I was like 21. Well, how okay. old was I? Oh, God. Don't make me do math. I was like 22. Okay. And um, Just make it up. I was 22. <laughs> she was 22, folks. Yeah, folks. And it was awesome. Prescott's a bar town. Mm-hmm. So it was like Amazing. I was a big fish in a little pond. Yeah. Like I was I was so happy to be the cute new girl. And she was actually pretty alarmed because we had spent the summer together and I had I was really thin because I was still engaged in an eating disorder, but I had gotten really thin. Like I had been really isolative between those times and she was like a little taken aback because because of that. And yeah. so <clears throat> you didn't look well. I never know if I didn't look well, yeah. but I was really skinny. So I was shows. like wearing like a size one, you know what I mean? And Oof. size zero, size one. I think I skipped all And those. I don't think I like possibly could ever go back to that <laughs> size, even if I did start myself. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was like very happy with myself yes. because I was skinny and in a new town. And it was a town nicknamed with a street named Whiskey Row. Oh, yeah. And I got a job at the local, one of the local restaurant bars, the Palace. And I met a boy who was a line cook and the local pot dealer. He was perfect for me. He was such a dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. but um, And we started dating, and I took to the bar life real. Like, I mean, I loved it. I mm-hmm. loved drinking in bars. And people, for people who don't know, Emily and I met in Prescott. And for people who don't know Prescott, it's like a biker bar town. And Is it biker? Yeah. It's like half cowboys. Half cowboys. Half, half. retirees. Well, well retirees my math is very bad, but I'm going to say another half. The retirees. Yeah, like local, yeah. like punker bar rats. Yeah. And then there are some bikers, I guess. So that's quarters. But it was, that was, <laughs> all those halves make quarters. <laughs> <Come on>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't major in math. I didn't major in anything. I went to cosmetology school. <laughs> so, so it, it's it's a very unique place. It's not it's weird. It's a weird place. Yeah. Like because it's weird. 
It just is. We're and then not it has that very, weird. We're not doing a very good job. Of well, and then it has it. that like and that um, engineering school. Like so, then there's like all the, these oh, like yeah. Emory, I remember hanging Emory out with, drinking with this one guy who's such a gnarly alcoholic, and he was. I was like, well, what do you do? He's like, I'm in school. I'm a rocket scientist, and I started laughing. And he's like. No, really. I'm like, oh, you need to use that. That's a great pickup line because, like, I would, you know, like, yeah, Embry, I'm a rocket scientist. Yeah, Embry Riddle, right? Where yeah, Embry Riddle. Yeah. So, anyways, this town was like, I, I found at first my friends were like kind of the hippie. Well, not the real hippie. There was like the fake hippies, but like just the people who were like all the restaurant workers. You know, everybody yeah. smoked weed and drank and partied and had a good time, and that was like it suited me. And I and I stayed with this guy for about two and a half years. We took a we took a three month trip in his RV up the coast. We lived in his RV. It was a sight. I totally burned my bridge with that roommate. Um, mm. I actually have tried to find her to make an amends, and I cannot find her. I maybe I should try harder, but because <laughs> like she was great, you know, and I just came in like a freaking tornado. I yeah. was a tornado. Like hung out with her for the first few weeks, and then boom, was off and running, you know. And yeah. um, and then his and I relationship came to a screeching halt when I learned that he had been sleeping with my best friend. Oh my gosh, <laughs> been to that party? And that it's, was. It's really amazing dramatic. what that does to a relationship. It's amazing what that does to a person. Oh, I know. I and know. I was like more mad at her, of course, because I'm like, you're my friend. You yeah. we share clothes. Oh, like, for sure. what do you? You're in my home. And then I like you know you have those punch in the gut flashbacks of like, oh. Like, now I have all these other things. Like, I see, I, like, see the same scene that we were in, mm-hmm. but I see it from a different camera angle where I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's why you were at my house. Yep. That's why you were making yep. that funny face. And it's just, it was actually really traumatic. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, that was a whole nother. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, That's confusing, probably. Yeah, that's but, confusing. Um, Take that out. But, yeah, and that sent me <laughs> on a, like, eight-month downward, spi- downward spiral. It was, like, a license to, like, go. And I was doing a lot of cocaine at the time. I was doing anything that I could put into my system, but, like, it was, like, go time. So then, gosh, like, I was hanging out with, like, kind of bar drinkers at that point, but then I burned through those people real quick, and then I was, like, hitting with, like, the real bar rats and your (laughs) ex-boyfriend. Like, then I, like, graduated to, like, the people who, like, when the bar shuts down, then they go and, like, party somewhere else until, like, the sun comes up. And, And it was, like, you know, classic, fun, fun with problems, then just problems. I... My life quickly became unmanageable. I'm I love not that. Function- fun, fun with problems, then just problems. And that was literally me. Yeah. Like, I am not a functional alcoholic. I stopped showing up places. I lost my job bartending. Like, bartending at a bar that, like, we used to party in after hours. I couldn't keep that job because I couldn't show up. Well, you, couldn't show up sober. You lost your utilities. Oh, yes. I was living in this little studio. I was actually thinking about that earlier today, about... Just that whole, my weird neighbors and stuff. But anyways, I lived in this little studio, and it was, like, walking distance from the bar I worked at, walking distance to Whiskey Row. And then, like, I, like, wasn't paying my bills anymore because <laughs> I wasn't managing my money very well. I was spending a lot of money on cocaine. And then I, like, had no, I had no lights. I had no electricity. But, like, that was okay because, like, I would get off my shift and the sun would be setting, and it was, like, just enough daylight left that I could like change my clothes and like freshen up my makeup and go out and then um I think my water got turned off and that was okay because like I could just shower at the party house like you know what I mean (laughs) it was just like the things we make okay to like fit so we can continue to drink and use like and and it was just this vicious cycle at that point of like I would go on a bender like I'm not even a bender I hate that word but I would go like drinking you know I'd be drinking for be drunk for days then it would turn into drug use yeah then I would be up for a few days and then I would crash and then I would like lock myself inside and be in my eating disorder and then I would come out of that and it would like start again and so it was just like 
I think it was like this weird way of me like switching addictions so that I never felt like I really had a problem. Even that's, though I knew really I knew I had an eating. Yeah. Like yeah. and I knew I had an eating disorder. I knew that wasn't normal. Yeah. I always knew that. Yeah. But all the other stuff, because I would like lower the bar and hang yeah. out with people who were drinking like me or worse than yeah. me, I never felt like I was a problem. It was me. Right. It was always like other things, you know? And so I love that saying that's that you kind of touched on, which is that most people change their behavior to meet their goals and we change we our change goals, goals to meet our behavior. 100%. And I even like remember like one night like talking to this girl, Mo, talking to this girl and we were we had been on ecstasy and all sorts of things and I don't know how long we had been awake but it was like the sun was coming up and we were sitting and I just had that feeling of like how are we going to like get from this part of our life to like what we're like adults do, you know, mm-hmm. like kids, family, real jobs. Like, I didn't understand how people, like, adulted, for real. Like, yeah. I was like, how am I going to, like, not be doing this anymore? Like, when's that going to when's that gonna happen? Like, yeah. someone they come and like... tell me what to do? Like, I just didn't get it. And she was like, what? And I'm like, never mind. <laughs> like, you know, like, just such an th- overthinker. And even, like, especially then when I started doing drugs like that, you really start thinking. You really start <laughs> you know? overthinking yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. So um, eventually I had no more job. I was dodging my landlord because I hadn't paid my rent. And I don't know if I was dodging him or the shadow people, but <laughs> I was dodging everybody. And I threw my stuff in trash bags and put it in a storage unit and showed up at the house I was partying at and just decided I would stay there for a little while. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait. No, back up. <laughs> back up. Back that ass up. Back that ass up. Okay, wait. Mm-hmm. What did you really do? Okay, so I was <laughs> hanging out with this guy. I, was date- I don't even... I, they were like, friendly. We are friendly. We can't really call it dating because that implies exclusivity. Yeah. Which... Um, I was not, neither one of us were very good at it, but, you know, we had a lot of fun together, and I, but we were, that was also, like, the house everyone partied at, Yeah, and, like, I, like, we'd, like, I would get free cab rides there, because I would be so wasted, and I would, like, probably very belligerently tell the cab driver, like, take me to the clubhouse, and he was like, (laughs) okay, like, they would just drop me off, like, people would, like, receive me there, and be like, okay, thank you for delivering her, you know, Yeah. but I showed up there, and just... The poor guy, like, I just was like, I'm going to, I had, like, a bag of laundry, I think. <laughs> just decided I would stay there. But not, like, with him. Like, I would just stay at the house. Like, there was plenty of, there was a couch, you know. And I did. And um, and it was short-lived, but I just, I did. I stay on the couch, and I remember, like, I'm God, here. I was just, I just thought of a memory. Just, God, I, like, was just, like, you know cuddle with anyone <laughs> like, just hold me no no <laughs> no I just like stayed there I was like the dude on the couch I yeah. can't believe it I was the dude on the couch oh my god you know you I've, were. I've hosted many a dude on my couch many a dude yes <laughs> but um and we and then at that point I was literally just selling drugs and but like I'm a terrible drug dealer because I just like sell enough that like I can not pay for mine so like I would um sell like at the time I was selling like there were these like mushrooms like in chocolate and I would like had like a two-week period where I just was like eating those like three meals a day and like (laughs) just existing like tripping but like didn't tell anyone because I just wanted to live in this like alternate world it was so weird (laughs) I was selling that I was selling coke at the bars and did not realize that the police were watching and like would come out of I remember coming out of Coyote Joe's I had I would go into the bathroom with someone sell my gram, I think, you know, 60 bucks or something is cheap in Prescott. And then, I don't know what the prices are actually now, so that might be standard. But anyways, I would come out, you can cut that part, but <laughs> I would come out of the, I came out of the bar once and one of the cops, I can still remember what he looked like, he was like, hi Emily, and I was like, oh shit, like he knows my name. Yeah. 
I don't know his name, but he knows my name. And yeah. they and they were really big on like busting all the like meth out there because yeah. there's a big problem in those small towns. Yeah. And so I think the only reason they kind of left me alone was because like I wasn't involved in that yet. But um, I felt that feeling. Like I know why they call it heat. <laughs> Yeah, I felt hot. Like, I was like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to end up in jail. Like, I just knew I was going to get arrested. And I didn't have any money. And so I, like, called my mom, who is 12-step friendly. I did not think I was an alcoholic at this point. I knew I had an eating disorder. I always knew that, right? But I did not know what an alcoholic was. I thought it was like the homeless guy under the bridge with the brown paper bag. It didn't right. look like that. Except you're living And on I a felt couch. like I could stop because I would stop, but I couldn't stay stopped. So I called my mom and I did what I perceived was lying. And I said, I'm an alcoholic. I need help because I knew she would help me if I said that. Mm. And she... You knew that because she was 12-step friendly. Because she was. I said, if I say I'm an alcoholic and I need help, she'll help me. Why not say you have eating disorder? I just had so much shame in that. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. just held... It was like... It's, the, with the irony, right? Like So silly. But you lied it, about this other thing. Yeah. But I wasn't even... Yes. Yeah. So she flew me home, which was like just a sight for sore eyes. And at this point, mind you... <laughs> Oh, gosh. This point, there had been a night where the sun was setting and I was changing. And there happened to be, like, a People magazine on my floor. And Jennifer Aniston had cut bangs. It was, oh, like, a big thing. no. Yes. This is well before I ever entered cosmetology school. And I thought, I should have bangs. I was buzzed. I should also have bangs. Oh, no. I did not understand. People, first of all, don't ever cut your own bangs. Ever. And that's coming from a. It's just the first. It's like a rule of thumb. But there is a way to part out cutting bangs. You make a triangle here, and the way the hair falls is right. If you do this, you end up with a dumb and dumber bowl cut. <laughs> so, okay, bangs. <laughs> and no. then I kept trying to fix it, and I literally had like a shelf. And I began to bring back the trend of wearing a pomp. <laughs> Which was not a trend at the time because <laughs> I back. just had to like pin them back and or wear a hat. I would wear a hat. And um, oh, it was so bad. Okay, so I get I had stayed with my aunt for like a night. Wait, did your mom say anything when you got home about the bangs? No, because like she's my mom is like my mom. How do I explain my mom? She was an opera singer turned elementary school music teacher. She tried pot once and it burned her throat. She did not like it. <laughs> she is an affirmation speaking. Like, my friends would like to do drugs and go to be around my mom because she was, like, freaking cartoon character. Like, she would be, like, I, we would, like, purposely, like, make ourselves fugly. And she'd be, like, Emily, you're beautiful on the inside and the out. Like, very, <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> we'll still now. Like, we'll not, like, yeah, we'll not. Yeah. So she would not even notice, <laughs> you know. But, but like, I was a mess. Like I, had, like, I had stayed with my aunt the night before I got on the plane, stole, like, she has lupus. I stole, like, a bunch of her somas, took oh. a bunch of them on the airplane. Oh, I could barely walk. I walked on the airplane carrying a skateboard because now I was a skater and probably like just sucked up and just looking rough, you know. I thought I was really cute. I mean, maybe I was. I don't know. Did I, you think the bangs were good? I just thought I looked good because I was skinny. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm skinny. I look good. Like, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. <laughs> I don't care. If my, I, was like, I look like dumb and no, dumb. I think I was probably wearing a hat. Yeah. Or maybe I had him pinned. I don't know. I made it work. But um, and <laughs> I found ways to use bobby pins. <laughs> so I got home. I think I lasted a week in my mom's house. So now at this point, I'm coming off of a lot of drugs and I'm not having access to alcohol and I don't have money to go get alcohol. 
And I remember like like looking up on the internet because like there was internet. I think this was like 2004. And I looked up on the internet like home home things you can get high on. And you could smoke peanut shells. Oh, geez. And I made my mom go to the store to get peanuts. <laughs> But she got salted, and they had to be, like, unsalted. So I never smoked them, but I was like, you could trip on peanut shell. I don't know. I was just trying to, like, find something, you know. <laughs> but So this was the state I was in. Yeah. I was, like, willing to smoke peanut. And I was like, maybe, I don't know, whatever. And um, Mom, they I can't did, be did, salted. It just, like, <laughs> never occurred to me to, like, drink mouthwash. Nothing. It just didn't yeah. occur to me. Yeah. But um, I could have, you know. And I so I was angry and, like, mean. I yeah. was really mean and really disrespectful. And my mom was, like, not having it because at this point she had been going to, like, Al-Anon and, like, tough love groups, like, literally called tough love. Oh, no. And using the jargon, and it was just, you know. Oof. So she gave me – I live – this was – I was back in Boston. She gave me a tea pass. The tea is the public yeah. transportation and sent me on my way. Like, she gave me a one-month tea pass. And so then this is the point in which um, you and I have talked about before. Like, I technically was homeless. I did not have to sleep on the street, but um, – You didn't have anywhere to go. I, I had – I – Couch surfed, you know. Yeah. I stayed with my friend Leah, who actually was one of us and did not make it eventually, which is just sad. But um, I stayed with a friend of mine. She had a young son. I would drink all day, like, she, and she, you know, it was just kind of a gross existence. So, something that people ask me a lot, and I have a hard time answering. Maybe <laughs> you probably will too. But like, people are like, "Well, where did you get your money?" And I have a hard time answering because not. Like, because sometimes I don't remember. I don't know. I do remember one thing I did for $25. That sounds really bad. It's not, whoa. It's not sex. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I like looked. I don't remember if it was like on the on, online or like in a personal. I took a bus at like 7 in the morning, faced or hammered to a college like survey <laughs> about like abuse or something. Something so weird. And I like lied about they asked me all these intrusive questions and I just was like I don't know I just made up answers for twenty five dollars yeah so that like and I was writing bad checks is what I was doing but I was writing bad checks for like both alcohol and binge food mm. it was really weird like I because like Walgreens would like accept a check at the time yeah and so I did that for as long as I could and I did really weird things and I would like manipulate people like they yeah. were like I knew there were one there was one guy I knew he liked me I let him like like pay for a hotel one night I mean he didn't stay with me it was kind of like crazy and then my my friend Leah who was staying with she had a neighbor who was like I don't know if she was like a lesbian or transitioning or whatever but like I knew she like loved me and so I would like drink her alcohol yeah I mean never Never had yeah. to do anything, but like I basically like found you know, situations. Just really was good at like using people. Yeah, yeah, because it's just it's just interesting. People will say like like well, it doesn't feel good to do that. It no. feels gross. No, like but but, but you, I just need what I want to need, and like yep. So I just did. That's I mean you hustle. You hustle is what you yeah. do, and yeah. thankfully, like luckily, I know it can be a lot worse. I know people have to like do a lot worse things than I did, but like I think the turning point was like one of my last nights in Boston. I knew I was going to rehab at that point. We had gone out and um, I got really drunk. And I just had like a very specific moment where I was sitting at this bar in Boston and I saw the whole bar with all the alcohol and it just didn't feel like enough. Like I f was so afraid. There, wow. I made, I ordered yeah. like – I had like a backup yeah. drink. I totally Because get like I didn't want to not – I didn't want to have this one be empty and then have yeah, nothing else. It was totally. just weird. It felt like that panic. Yeah. And then I get – apparently I stole a bunch of jackets that <laughs> 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 and I woke up on the floor of my friend's place like – 
like passed out in jackets That's... from people, poor people. Like it's, you know. And then um, I took the tea back to um, my tea stop so my mom could pick me up. And I got propositioned because a guy thought I was a prostitute. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Were you wearing all the jackets? I was not wearing the jackets. <laughs> I was probably wearing a very short skirt. Yeah. <laughs> and very tall boots. You know, just yeah. being sassy. But it was like, you know, I looked probably, I mean, I had been drinking all the night. So it was just like one of those like moments where it's like, this is not you. Like, yeah. but it was. Right. Like, that's exactly who you are right now. Yeah. Like, oh, so weird. It was so weird. And then, yeah. So the breaking point for me was like, I had been in Boston. My friend's boyfriend got over me staying on their couch because literally who wants that? And then I stayed with a friend's mom and she was pretty oblivious to like what I was doing and she had gone out of town and I would wake up at 7 a.m. and swear I wasn't going to like – and at this point I had like lost my access to like drugs and alcohol and I'd swear I wasn't going to like get into the binging and purging and like by 7 a.m. I was like binging and purging and it was like, you know, 20, 30 times a day, like all day. Just like really in a prison really aggressive. Like I had had really scary things happen. Like when I had first started my eating disorder, like I would um, use like a toothbrush to make myself throw up. And there was a time when I was staying with my dad and it like snapped, the head snapped off. And I just had like this in your throat, in my throat. And I had this like, flash, this is so gross. Sorry guys. But I had this like flash of like being dead on his like tile bathroom floor and like my dad having to find me like that. And I think I was like mostly like, I didn't want them to know I was, like, throwing up. It was so sad. But I reached – I, like, reached into my mouth, into my throat, and was, like – I don't know how because it's, you know, it's wet in there – and pulled the broken toothbrush out and, like, didn't die. Oh, my God. But it was just, like – Stuff like that. My solution yeah. to that was, like, I can't use a toothbrush anymore. Yeah. So I just – and then I realized I didn't need anything because, like, my stomach was, like, trained to throw yeah. up food. So anyways – it's very graphic and gross. But at that point, I was so, like, deep in that. And, like, it was just awful. And I wanted to end it. Like, I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I can't stop. I cannot stop. And I, like, went into the kitchen, picked up a butcher knife, did not kill myself because I was too scared. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just call, I did the thing. You know, they say that thing in program, like, oh, we did what all the tough guys do, and you call your mommy. Mm-hmm. And I was really honest. And I just said, I have an eating disorder. I cannot stop and I'm going to die. She's like, what do you mean you're going to die? I'm like, I'm going to die if I don't get help. And she was like, let me call you right back. And she's like, I will help you go to treatment, but it has to be a 12-step based treatment facility. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I need to go somewhere where they take everything away from me. And I don't have control over my options. Like I, cause at first, like they wanted to send me someplace in Florida where you like live in an apartment with other people. And I started crying because I was like, I can't be responsible to make my own meals. Like it was like, so yeah. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, yeah. I can't do that right now. Like yeah. it was just, it was really like depleted and I had yeah. nowhere else to go. It was literally next stop was going to be live on the streets for real. Like, yeah. So um, a couple of days later, I was out back to Arizona. <laughs> I was out to Wickenburg. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> old Wickenburg. I feel like, yeah. Anyway, so I went out to Wickenburg. I went to Rosewood Ranch. I thought thought I knew what I needed. Well, I, Rose, and, and Rosewood is a, a dual diagnosis, dual diagnosis yeah. eating disorder and alcohol. Eating disorder and like and if you addiction. had, if you were, and I still didn't know I was an alcoholic. I really didn't. Like it was, and honestly, the withdrawal of like, not it wasn't even just the drugs and alcohol it was like that life like knowing that people were out at the bars and this yeah. was the bar they were at that night because it was this drink special like killed me yeah. like that FOMO yeah but it was like addiction to that as well and yeah. so 
I like marched in there and told them that like I needed to be out by a certain date because I was going to go to reggae on the river. And they were like, yeah, you're not going to be out by that date. And like that's not how this works at all. And um, But thankfully, you know, I got – I knew we didn't have like money. You know, my family didn't have a lot of money and I knew this was like it. Like if I'm going to go to treatment, this is my one chance. Because there are people there who don't take it seriously. I mean people go back and back and back and back. And – um. I just felt like I had good treatment there. I had a great psychiatrist who, like, honored and respected my intelligence. Like, I knew he, like, he's, like, you're smart. And, like, I had had therapy before because I had been in trouble, and they were terrible. Like, I had a woman tell me I was a terrible person. Like, I mean, at, like, 15. Like, just, like, you know, like, not good. There's bad. There are bad. Yeah. There are bad. So I had, like, a very, like, rubbed me. I just had bad experiences. Yeah. Like, where this guy was... I feel like him being there because I didn't like my counselor because she reminded me of my mom. Mm. And I was like, I have to not have her. And they were like, maybe you're supposed – and I was like, I can't. But I did. I ended up staying with her. But um, he changed it. Like he that, – that one psychiatrist treating me that way was like a game changer. I was like, so okay. Cool. I've, I Do- had that person Dr. too. Dr. Carp. I don't, I don't know his first name, but I should like write him an email. Yeah. Um, anyways, and I stayed 47 days there and – because they, it was an all-female facility where you don't leave, and they were like, you cannot leave unless you're an alcoholic. You can go to a meeting two times a week, mm-hmm. and there will be other people there yeah. <laughs> of the opposite sex. Yeah. And so I, like, raised my hand, and I'm like, I could say I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and, like, and like, but I was an alcoholic, you right. know? So just denial. Like, for me, like, my disease lives in denial. So I went there. I got out of treatment. I went back up to Prescott for the night, relapsed. Right out of rehab. The first re- – after 47 days. I went to the bar I used to work at and was yeah. bragging about 47 days sober. And then I found this guy and asked him to go get me some Coke <laughs> and drink. And then I proceeded to drink like three Captain Cokes and, yeah. you know. And then I partied with your ex that night. And he let me crash on his couch because I didn't know where I was going. Yeah. And um, I think I – I think uh, – yeah. And then I drove down to Phoenix the next day like in a tizzy because like I didn't really sleep there. And like I was – coming off of cocaine and, like, was... Were you freaking out about not being out. sober and all that? I was freaking out that they weren't going to let me in. Like, I had nowhere to go. The reason I went to aftercare... Oh, yeah, I forgot to say that. So after treatment, they recommended I go to aftercare. Yes. Chose. They put me in a place in um, Orange County. And I literally went because I didn't know what else to do. Like, where was... I had nowhere to go. Like, I couldn't go home. Prescott wasn't really home anymore. Like, it kind of was, but I just didn't... I don't know. I just just took direction. And um, I called – there was a lady who worked there as well who did, like, their intake, and she was awesome too. She was – there was a couple of key people there who really, like, were on the level. You Is, know, what I mean? In the Orange County place? No, in um, Rosewood. Like Rosewood. Who really, like, made it so I felt, like, respected. Yeah. Because I'm a smart girl. Like, I don't yeah. – I one of my things – an old story for me is, like, people think I'm dumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I cannot stand that. Like, yeah, me too. So, yes. And and sometimes people do think you're dumb, you yeah. know, and that's yeah. okay. Well, but um, it feels like – I mean, that's the, that's the thing we talk about too is, like, we're, our behavior looks really dumb. Right? Yeah, like yeah. RB, you know, and like when you're not sober and you're not fully with it, like you are kind of spacey, yeah, and flaky, and yeah. like don't know what's going on. So, anyways, on the way down there, I was like binging and purging on Cliff Bars. Like it was mm. so gross. Like I just didn't know what to do. I was I was like spinning, and I called the lady, and she was like, "Just get on the plane." You know what I mean? Like she was like talking through, and the I was Orange County. The no, the Rosewood, the Rosewood lady. Because I I didn't have anyone else to call. I was like, I don't know what to do. This happened. Yeah. And she's like, I will talk to them. We will figure it out. Yeah, so I like in a tizzy. I get off the highway to get up to the Phoenix airport, and I like pull to a red light, and I pulled behind a car, 
and and all this is going on. Like I'm spinning out of control. Like I'm flicking cigarette out of the window. It's coming back in. The cherry's oh, the burning cherry's me. Burning and I'm like, just that's my state of mind. And I yeah. pull up behind this car and there's a bumper sticker that says, trust the process. And like I just got really calm and like felt like, okay, like just get to the air. Like I didn't even feel like I could like get to the airport, but just get to the airport. You know, yeah. drop off the rental car go to the airplane. And I did. And I wound up in Orange County and I ended up at a, um, like aftercare facility. It was like a sober living slash, but it was for eating disorders as well. It's called Rebecca's house. And I was there for a couple months. I got a get well job, stamping tickets at guitar center and paying, get, I literally was getting paid like seven fifty an hour. And, um, what tell everybody what a get well job is. Okay. Get well job is like, and not everybody does this because some people have careers. But um, it's like when you get sober, you just get a job to have a job. It could be anything. But it's usually doesn't pay a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something kind of mindless. Entry, entry yeah, level. Entry level. Like not that there's anything wrong with that at all, yeah. even if that's like somebody's actual job. Yeah. But it's like yeah. at but that point, that's what I can you handle. You just take what you can get. You yeah. Take what you just can get, get a job to start. go somewhere and make some money. Because I didn't have any. Like, And um, so I did that. I got really lucky to get plugged in with a bunch of young people who were in 12-step program, and they all had, like, a couple years, which was nice because they were, like, pretty solid at that yeah. time. Well, I thought they were. I thought that was so long. I was like, they graduated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are sober. <laughs> and I started going to meetings and socializing, and, you know, they call it going to the meeting after the meeting where you go to coffee or dinner. We used to go dancing in L.A., or we would mm-hmm. go and just do all these things. And I started really, like, doing the deal. I had commitments, had sponsees. And then, like, wait, was that when I knew you? It was before. It was like, and it was like, so I had had a relapse at like six months, and then I got two years. Okay, okay. So we met during that time at the two. Okay, yeah. Okay, so this is kind of when our paths crossed, which which is wild. Yeah, and you, I'm living in Prescott. Prescott. I, you know, got whatever. I'm I'm in Prescott. Super sober. Uh, Yeah, you're super sober. I am. Oh, there was a convention, right? There was a convention, right? Back. So with Joanne, they came back with Joanne, right? I don't remember if Joanne was there, but I. Why did I go? So there was a convention in Prescott, and at the time, I am dating. I'm, I'm a piercer at a tattoo shop, and I'm dating the lead tattoo artist, and Who I used to party with, right? Whose couch I crashed on yes. the night before I went to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, he was a big partier, but he's also like such a like. He's, yeah, he's, he's a, a great friend. He's just—he's a—he's a great friend and not him. not a not a great boyfriend, <laughs> but a really great he's a good heart. friend. Yeah, heart. he's a good heart guy. <laughs> love the guy. Still uh, we love you, Donnie. Sorry. Um, Are you saying his name? I'm okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, so okay, so you come to town and I'm and you find I find out you're sober and he introduces us as this guy you partied with and you and know. also I was getting tattooed by him right oh I was looking up your tattoos yes That's right which I was, was re- so funny because he's like oh I had my girlfriend and I was kind of bummed I was like your girlfriend like who is this chick like and like just knowing his track record with like <laughs> having multiple girlfriends, I was like, oh, God, is this girl going to be, like, some crazy, like, jealous, oh, who's this girl, and, like, mess it up? You know, I was just, like, didn't, I was like, but then, but you did a good job. (laughs) They looked looked like what I wanted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I think. She was pulling images from something I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I'm competent enough to use Google. But I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know who I was dealing with. But then we met, and I was like, oh, she's really cool. And Ashley was blonde. I was blonde. And you do pull off blonde really well. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's better when I see the sunlight. It's like platinum. (laughs) It was platinum blonde. 
So you pulled the tattoo images. We met. I was there for, I don't, was I even there for a convention? I think I must have been. I, I think, think I must were. have gone for a convention. I think, you know what I think it was? I think Kylie was speaking. So it was a 12, yeah, it was a 12 right? step convention and we met. Like a young people's convention. Young people's convention. And I was doing all that stuff. Like, yeah. All the and fun I, things. And I was not super. Were you sober? Yeah. Oh, you were. But I was right. not super connected. Oh, we went to the convention together and then we went to the bars. Remember, yes. but we were sober. We didn't drink. Yeah, we did. So, right. Like, you're like, do you want to go downtown? But see, that was the thing about that I'm town so was excited. that I was in the same, I had the, like a similar experience, except I was sober in Prescott, which was I partied at the bars it with was everybody. So fun. It was so fun. There was that whole lifestyle. And, but I, I, I was sober. I wasn't drinking. I, I was definitely playing with fire. Right. Um, and right. eventually it burned me. But, yeah. you know, I, I had that same experience that you had where I was like wanting to be a part of this. This whole scene. It was fun. I mean, I like loved to go to. I thought I was so cool and mysterious because I would like go to the bar alone <laughs> and like just be there and be and like run into my friends. But yeah. like thought I was like so mature and like what's the word like worldly? Like because I wasn't afraid <laughs> to like I just go and like play the video game or like read a book or you know what I mean. Just yeah. be like that person who yeah. that felt like confidence to me. Yeah. And um, but also the real truth was is I liked to go to the bar alone because I had to be accountable to nobody. Right. Nobody was looking for me. Nobody. I mean, I was the queen of if I went with people to the bar of like, I'll be right back and go to the bathroom and then like not, not return. Yeah. 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 And, and that was the kind of like, place you could you do that. It was the kind of place. You just slip out the back door. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking yeah. of mocks. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. one bar. Uh, it was like our home group. <laughs> I swear the bars were like different home group. They meetings. were. Like they different were. nights of the week. They were different. Oh, yeah. Dude, there Thursdays was a bar was there. was Irish. You know, we go to Brian's Irish pub. Byron, Ryan's okay, wait. Irish there pub. was a bar there. I don't think it's still there. It was called Prescott Live. Yes, <laughs> and it was like yes, it was penny drinks. Yeah, it was like pe- you pay a penny, women, mm-hmm. and you get an entire alcoholic beverage. Yeah, with no cover. I wonder what the point of like what's the what's what's the goal with penny drinks? The men pay. What they just a- want people in. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, but I'm saying like. Do well, they, it's stupid. Maybe maybe you pay a dollar for the tip, but I would be like, if I give them a dime, it's a thousand percent tip. <laughs> like, no, I would give a dollar. I think I don't know. I probably didn't. The mathematics. No, it was just like go get belligerent for basically free. Yeah, yeah. But that's the point. Like we want everybody to get super belligerent. But so. Oh, and it was like a weird dance pit. Like, <laughs> oh god, I think they had closed that by the time I was there. So, yeah. what? happened so you so you were sober so we went there you oh then I moved in with you so yeah so I tell the tell that part because okay. that's the part there's a connector part we met once that's right we got met, along. Oh, okay okay yes didn't even, I don't even know if we kept in touch or anything like that I don't know how I how did yeah. we, was there myspace maybe probably what was your myspace name little miss murder my myspace name was ambassador from kick your ass oh yes <laughs> You're, oh my god! Sorry, that was loud. No, that was awesome. Okay, I just feel like everybody has yeah. like a secret yeah. past MySpace yeah. life, and, yeah, and it's like do. if you didn't have the word like Lil in it, yeah. like yeah. Little Miss Murder, <laughs> you were uh, Little Miss Murder. Yeah, someone stopped me like your at a bar. Yeah, stage. yeah, someone stopped me at a bar and was like, "Are you Little Miss Murder?" I was like, "This has gone too far." <laughs> you were like Insta famous before there was Insta famous. I know that's kind of crazy. I know because I was into the Suicide Girl stuff. Don't look that up. Oh my god, that was <laughs> so. Okay, so yeah, so that's right. So our connection was I found out that my ex-boyfriend that we're, you know, that we were talking about, he had cheated on me with another one of my friends. And it was like It's like your closest friend, wasn't it? It was it wasn't the one that he ended up being with. Oh. Oh yeah. No, I didn't this know that. Is, yeah, yeah. Right. No, it's, it's that that was a Donnie. 
Yeah, I know. Dirty dog. Dirty dog. (laughs) Yeah, no, um, it was another one. It was a friend who I moved into my house, this girl, Vanessa, Mm -hmm. and um, we had gone to treatment together, and she was, like, out and needed help, and I moved her in, bought her a bed, and was, like, taking care of her, and then I left to go back east oh, for a week. You don't leave them. You don't leave them together. I know. Well, but that's that's who I am. I know. So, and I learned that. I learned that from that. I learned a lot of good things from that relationship. And one was that I'm the kind of person that I have to have friends I can leave my boyfriend or yes, husband with yes. because I'm just not capable of having that level of concern. Well, yes. And I feel like at yeah. this point in life. Yeah. But it just was like one of those things where yeah. I'm not capable of having those friends where it's like, I trust him, but not to leave him alone with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that's just not who I am. So I don't have those friends. So you left. Vanessa so I left. Does Donnie. I <laughs> there was a lot of, and you know, it was crazy. It was one of those things where I just knew, like no one ever told me. Yeah. And I know. came back and it, I, I won't get into the story, but it literally like hit me like a wall and I just Ew. knew and then she left town and I ended up calling her calling her for months and she finally I picked up the phone she had called Donnie and I picked up his phone and I and I was like you know they had I had no idea they were talking or whatever so anyway it's this long story so anyway I finally so I found hurtful for people to do stuff yeah and so and so annoying. that had happened and then I and then something else had happened oh I found him in bed with Jill and um I don't think they were hooking up but he they they were in bed together and oh, I was just, just like kind over of inappropriate it. when you're dating somebody yeah else. yeah <laughs> yeah I just was over it so I call I was like I'm going to see. so I don't know if I called you, you. like asked me like you asked me I don't really remember the conversation, but I do remember, I think you asked me if you could come stay with me. And I said, and I was like, yeah, like when? Because I think my roommate was, my roommate and I shared a one bedroom apartment with like a den. Yeah. And she and I shared a bed. (laughs) Like it was, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And she had started dating one of our friends and they were moving in together. Like That's right. And I was like, yeah, actually like. Because I really wanted to move to Southern California because Donnie's from Southern California. So that's how I had visited. Uh, And I really wanted to move to Southern California with him and he didn't want to go. And so then when I decided to run away. Yes. And you were like, you asked if you come stay with me. And I was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm really not, well, I've gotten better, but I don't pause to think about things, which is fine. But like, I just say yes a lot or I have in the past where then I'm like, oh man, like, why didn't I like, but I was like, yeah. And you're, I was like, when would you be here? You're like, well, it would be like the end of the week or something like that. Yeah. It was like very soon. Oh, it was. But I was like very... crazy enough to be like, sure. Come yeah. On in. Oh, yeah. And I just thought we would like share the big room. And you were like, oh, no, I'll take the den. And you didn't really fit in the den, but you stayed there. Oh, no, my, my, the doors closed on the end of my queen bed. Like they touched. Because <laughs> it was end. not meant to be. Yeah, it was not meant to be. Housing a queen bed. Yeah. But yes. But, but yes, yeah, so like a, like a week later, week I think later. you showed up with your dad and the yep. 70 pound uh, Rottweiler. Yeah. And, and no car because my car broke. Oh, yeah, your car broke. My car. It's why I was using the egg. I was, oh, using, yeah. I was using your my car. car. It was yeah. a little G-Priz, Geoprism. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that Stick and, shift go kart. And then we were living together and we were just we were just hot messes in early sobriety. Yes. I mean that yes. was it it was so much fun, but it was fun. It was fun. Because I mean, it was like I finally had someone like I don't think I had like that. I like didn't have someone like that person to like match my crazy. Yeah. And so you like you I matched your crazy. And I like lost Elaine, you know, to yeah. Chad. Yeah. They were like now they were like, Your roommate, they got pregnant. Yeah. Like, yeah. But then you, yeah, you matched my crazy. In fact, it was like, I might have outdone your crazy. Yeah, you definitely outdid my crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, Remember, but- like, I would, like, find things out and I'd be like, 
Ashley. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. You would, you would, yeah. It was, but it was kind of awesome because I felt very it was, comfortable to be. Well, and you introduced me to 12 Step in Southern California, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was such an amazing experience for me. I think I, like, connected you with your first sponsor. You connected Because I had a commitment. You Remember? connected me with. matchmaker. You you connected me with my first sponsor, and that was the meeting where I met my husband. Oh, yeah. So I just am responsible just, for all your You're responsible your for my whole life. I am. And I tell my husband that, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm responsible for you being a person. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I mean, know. it's true. No. So but I met my husband at that meeting, too. Yes. Weird. Yeah. It was a big meeting, the talk show meeting. Yeah. And so we had, I mean, what I like to talk about. You know, and it's fun to talk about this with you because you were there for it. But we, in early sobriety, God, we, we were, weird we were <laughs> really, we weird. were really young and we got yeah. sober really young. And I, I mean, I was 19. I wasn't that young. I mean, you, I was young, but you were in your late 20s. Oh, yeah, because that's what, yeah, I was yeah, in my you 20s. Were in your, okay, you I was in your young. 20s. I was young. Yeah. I didn't think I was that young. But I was. Yeah. Now looking back, and yeah. Being but like of this age, <laughs> the whole so many people have the concern that when they get sober, they're not going to have a good time. Yeah. And I think that if I could flash back to like all the things that we did, I mean, oh, we we one time went with our other friend to a a, cl- a nightclub in Hollywood, and we danced all night. Was this a sober rave, or was this a different thing? I don't remember. It, it was. We did go to a, a. We were not. They were not sober. We were sober. We yeah, went we were to a sober. Rave. Yeah, we went to a rave, like in some underground, like yeah. warehouse situation. Yeah, yeah, and and like it had a blast. Like Joanne was like giving like people who were rolling light, light shows. Show. Yeah, she our first like, sober. Our friend, friend was like a raver back in her day, and she was like really good at like light shows. Like she, so so, and she, I was all these like, people I'm were tripping. Jealous, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there, there's all these people who are rolling, and she's doing, she's sober doing light shows, and it's all of us together. We had a bus, and then I was driving at like three in the morning. <laughs> Ashley crashed the car. I was driving curb. my car, and it's raining, and we're in Hollywood. I'm driving oh, yeah. my car, and I look over to the. I'm really hungry, and there was a hot dog stand. There was a hot dog. We did end up getting hot dogs. We I think. did. Well, we had to because I looked at the hot dog stand, and my hands looked at the hot dog stand too because they threw the car. Into the curb, threw the car into the curb, and popped the tire right in front of the hot dog stand. I didn't know how to change and then a tire. We, we called Wang. Yeah, we called Matt. we called one of our friends, and he came in. I don't know why I didn't call AAA, but we called a friend. It was raining, and so then we got hot dogs. Yeah, and those were like, they, I mean, so many, so many fun times. We, you know, figuring out how to be adults was just. Oh my god! But what was so another thing that happened that was really interesting too was. We, long list of them, was the night that we almost decided to drink again. Right, right. Where we were in there, we were in the bathroom getting ready to go to your commitment for you to take two years sober. Take two years and my Monday night meeting. And we were over it. We were like, let's go get drunk. Let's do this. And I think I was just really uncomfortable because like all the like food stuff had come up for me again. And I was like. Like I or I wasn't engaged in it or I was, but I felt really uncomfortable in my skin because I had probably gained a few pounds or who knows yeah. what it was. But I just felt like I remember thinking like I didn't get sober to gain weight. You know what I mean? Like because <laughs> it was very important to me. Like people yeah. say like eating disorders are not about weight, but it kind of was for me. Like I really equated like my value and worth and like attractability and like any failure or success in my life was going to i felt like i got treated differently you know i can't even explain it so it was like there was an element of that and yes we were i was like f this like let's go we were like let's go to the bar yeah we were like let's go to the and bar and also just the prospect of like going to the bar and like getting all that 
stupid drunk attention and like getting filled with false self-esteem like yeah that, that it's a drug yeah it's like oh fill me up with feel-good stuff you know yeah. but then I think I was like okay well let me take my chip first and then we'll go yeah yeah I was like come on let's go and then you're like no I have to I have a commitment at this meeting I'm like Ugh, yeah fine. I got friends coming yeah got, like, yeah Angie friends. bringing flowers she always yeah. bring flowers yeah and you're yeah. like all right fine we'll go after I'm like all right fine but then we didn't go. we didn't go we didn't get loaded and but there were so many little things but that, it doesn't matter what you think it matters what you know like and that's, that's Exactly the point is that it didn't – and it also speaks to being connected to that community, Mm -hmm. having a commitment, being connected, showing up, and people knowing, you know, people knowing what's going on for Mm -hmm. you because neither one of us would have been sober if we had had not had those people waiting for us, that community. I mean, we would have gone. For sure. We would have gone. Sure. So so we, you know, mm-hmm. that that's one of those amazing things, like, you know, seconds and inches, right? A hundred percent. And and then you um we and you know, eventually we weren't living together and 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 things, you know, we met you met your you so yes. I was with you when you met your yes, husband. I met my husband. I was I had a commitment at that talk show meeting and I was like the host. It was like the secretary it was like the secretary commitment. But like basically you like interview people, but like I was sitting up there and like he walked into the meeting late in the back of the room. At the time I was like really into the look like you had just been to jail. <laughs> and he had like the dicky shorts and the socks pulled up and all the tattoos and the buzz cut. And I was just like, I would like to hang out with that guy. Yes. And we did talk that night, but like we didn't hang out that night. And then like, I think we had, like, exchanged numbers, and I had tried to text him, and he, like, didn't text me back. I did not realize he did not have text messaging, because at the time, it was, like, not everybody had text messaging. Right, right, right. And I was like, this guy, like, what a joke. Like, he totally acted interested. And I was so, and I loved texting, because, like, I'm a good writer, yeah. and I could be really witty and, like, cute and, like, flirt with, I don't know, I thought that I loved the banter. Like, I just did. Yeah. And, um, and then I ran into him again, like, a couple weeks later at that meeting, and we did hang out, and I really, like, thought we were just going to have, like, a very short-lived yeah. one-night time of hanging out. Yeah. And then, like, we kept dating, and now it's been, like, 12 years of a one-night stand. <laughs> <laughs> Longest one-night stand ever. No, but we d- we just, like, clicked in a way. But it was also really, like, I knew that it was going to be really toxic, too. Because it was. We were both really sick at that point of our lives. Like Lied about his age? Yeah, he lied about his age. He said he was older than he was because he thought I was, like, younger than I was. And I'm actually, like, almost eight years older than him. And um, it was just very, um, like, Sid and Nancy from the start. (laughs) Like, really, like, you know, good when it's good, not good when it's not good. We ended up getting loaded together. Um, I had, like, a moment in a noon meeting where I just felt like God would not be able to, like, help me with my eating disorder stuff. Like, it would never get better. And I, within a week, was loaded because it was just, like, the God I believed in was still like, or the power, the higher power I believed in was still like this punishing thing. Like, oh, things are going to get, just, just you wait, little girl. Like, just you wait. When things get good, that's when we're going to pull the rug. That's when things are going to come right. crumbling so back. back to and those I lived, original I beliefs. I lived that. Well, I always, I never lost them, I don't think. Right. Even in that two years of sobriety, two and a half yeah. years. So I was like sponsoring like four, and we relapsed in Prescott. Or I did. No, you know what? I smoked pot in Orange County, but I drank in Prescott. And it was like, Oblivion, and we stayed with Don. We stayed with your ex and his now. I don't know if they're married, but his person, my former, baby mom, my former close yeah. friend. Yeah, they've got kids together. Like I mean, yeah. we stayed with them, and like it was just like crazy. Like I had to like tell all my sponsees I wasn't sober, which yeah. was like really heartbreaking to one in particular. Who you know that was really hard, and 
it was just like on and cracking, you know, we were off and running in all the things that like we weren't going to do. Like, you know, we started doing, we started doing hard drugs and like, I mean, literally garbage disposal, but like my husband's drug of choice was speed. And I am a person who will do what you're doing. Yeah. Like, I really do think that, like, God spared me by not putting a heroin addict in my life because yeah. I've done heroin a handful of times, and it was literally everything. Like, I am such a thinker and, like, yep. moving all the time. And, like, yep. like and it, just, it really did – it was, like, the answer. So, like, I think had somebody I dated or been spending time with been into that, like, I probably would have died. Like, I just really have this strong feeling, like – because I would feel like, why am I doing speed? I don't even like speed. Like, yeah. But, yeah, like, it was yeah. just what – but I did it, you know, alcoholically because that's what was there, you know. And um, and my husband Mike was like – you know, when we were just drinking, he's six foot two, almost six foot three. He's a big guy. Yeah. He's, like, 200 pounds. Like, he's a big he's guy. He's a big guy. And he can drink a lot more than I can. And yeah. I also, like – because of my eating disorder, like, I would, like, sometimes I'd make myself throw up the alcohol. But regardless, like, I could not keep up with him with alcohol. I would get full, you know? I would yeah. just, like, be, like, ready to move on to something else. And so when we started doing drugs together, <laughs> he was, like, had a very rude awakening because he probably just thought, like, it would be the same. Right. And he would get to do more than me. But it's not like that for me with drugs. Yeah. I am, like, you will not. We will split this right down the middle yeah. to the gram. Like, I don't care. Like, and... um. I'm just, like, really fiendy when it comes to um, drugs. So, anyways, we did a lot of stuff together, and things got real ugly and real white trash, and <laughs> <laughs> it was not cute, you know? And then and then it's, like, suddenly I'm, you know, 30 years old thinking, like, this is not cute anymore, you know? And things got really bad between us to yeah. the point where we broke up, you know, because yeah. he is a much different alcohol. He's like you. Like, he's a hope-to-die, like, suicide mission. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to go have a good time, but we would, like, stay in our little studio, like, yeah. Ugh, it was gross. He was yeah. like, thought that was, I'm like, it's not a party when it's just, it's not partying when it's just you. I thought like, it was. That's not partying. Partying is going to the bar. Yeah. Cause you're, you're that, that's your personality. I want to but go be with I, the people. Yeah. And he and I are like, very that. like, yeah, let's do this. But this then I, he's like, but I don't want to share and I don't want to like pay extra, like, cause it's expensive to drink out. Like, you can get a yeah. 40 ounce or like a tall boy for like $1.50 down at Circle K. Why not do that? If Like, why would you yeah. go to Hennessy's and get like a $9 beer? You you know right. what I mean? So, but for me, very it's like, different mentality. Yes. So we broke up, and then I thought he was the problem, you know, because he's a really Jekyll and Hyde alcoholic. And um, I thought he was the problem. And I thought once he's gone, like I can figure it out. But like it turns out that like I'm still an alcoholic. Like <laughs> when I'm with him, when I was with him and he was drinking, it was like I became the codependent. Even though I was drinking and using alcoholically, I was still like counting his. Yeah. Especially with the drinking, you know? And then, um, so you're trying to fix him. Well, I was trying to, like, stop him from crossing over because he would, like, hit a certain number. Like, if he had three tall boys, it was okay. But if he had the fourth tall boy, he would want to go drive up to Santa Ana. Yeah. And at one point, we were, like, not trying not to do drugs. We were just drinking and smoking. So it was just, like, very sick. It was, like, like chain, like like trying to fit into just insanity is what it is. It's insanity. So I started going back to meetings, but, like, I couldn't stay sober in between meetings, which was very humbling because I just thought – it was like that – when I got loaded, it was that cliche thing where you're like, well, if it gets bad enough, I know where to go because I've done this before. But the problem is with that is that, A, you don't always get to choose when you get – if or when you get sober again. Yeah. And, B, like, 
It doesn't work that way. Alcoholism doesn't work that way. It doesn't give you a choice. So it's like, yeah, you might be ready to come back, but you may not be able to stay sober. And that's what you experienced. It is because also I came back and I was like, it had been a couple years and like there was new faces and I felt really like full of ego. Like, don't you know who I am? I was really active in this program. Like I didn't want to hang out after. I didn't want to like have to be the new person. Like it just sucked. And um, so I would like go to the meeting and then come home and sit on my couch and twiddle my thumbs and then like walk down to Hennessy's because I lived walking just and get, go get like trashed, you know? And then I start, you know, just just doing things. And then finally, eventually, I started um, I started putting, I, well, I, I did this for like three or four months, you know, just in and out, in and out, like new, 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 new all the time. And then finally, I don't know, like something, a bunch of people died, actually. I was like, what happened? Like, a friend of mine, oh, yeah, that's right. My friend Nicole, Nicole passed away. But I didn't get sober right away. But that was, like, shocking. So I had a friend. She had been sober four years and had gotten loaded. And she came over and spent the night one night. And, like, we both sat on the couch and talked about getting sober again and, like, being like, ugh. Like, because we knew what it took. So it was like, like, I don't have the energy, but, like, I know, I need, I know I'm going to have to come back. Like, both mm-hmm. of us. Both sat there. We had, like, both had our little things of Ben and Jerry's ice cream and, like, <laughs> just hung out and, like, had a really good time and, like, chatted. She slept over, left the next morning for work. And then, like, I would say, like, a week or two later, I got a call that she had passed away. So she had been with the wrong people, with the wrong person and was in a hotel room and had was found dead and had didn't show up to work one day and they were looking for her. And it, it was, was... It was alcohol, drug-related. It was drug-related. Yeah. And it was jarring. It was like the feeling of the way the disease works where it's like you can – that 50-50 – like it could have been me. Yeah. Like we're sitting on the couch and it's like – it was very humbling to be like how does like one of us get plucked and like it's not me? Like how did I – how did that happen, you know? It was just really like crazy. Eye-opening. Yeah, eye-opening. And also like I just – I don't know. Like it's just something about like a young pretty girl dying like – I don't know. It just felt different. So then she passed. I got drunk that night because that's what you do when somebody dies and you're not sober. And then I was, like, still going to meetings. And then, like, I think Jimmy passed away that summer. I mean, I wasn't super close with him. But it was just, like, another young person I'd known my whole sobriety. And he was, like, very charismatic. And, like, I came back from my cousin's wedding in Scottsdale, actually. And I had gone there sober. I think I had, like, almost a month sober. Oh, wow. But my whole family, like all my cousins, they were like partying and having the best time and I ended up drinking. And um, I got wasted. Oh, my God. I got so sick and I had to go to the wedding so sick. And like it was just like I came home and I didn't drink again. I think I took a pill. But after that, like my sobriety date is September 25th. So that wedding was like September 9th. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, why isn't my sobriety date that? But then, oh, and I went to Prescott after the wedding and got loaded there too. But I came home and I was like, I was thinking about it like year five or something. And I was like, wait, why is my sobriety date? But then I remembered I had like been given – like a pill I didn't know what it was and I like took it one night and like freaked out because I didn't know what it was I think it was a Xanax so I ended up getting very calm <laughs> thankfully <laughs> thankfully I had the panic attack subsided but um and then from that point <laughs> like I remember tell I had a roommate and I remember tell like I was having a panic attack because I was like I just took the man if I die you need to call like I mean she was like whoa dude and so um I ended up putting time together and what happened for me was that in putting the time together I like experienced what can only be described as grace, which has been described, explained to me as like an undeserved gift. And I had like a sudden like spiritual awakening or spiritual experience where I realized if whatever's keep, I don't keep myself sober, 
I can't stay sober on my own, but something's keeping me sober. And whatever that is can't be punishing. Because if it's punishing, it wouldn't be keeping me. Like, it was like this weird knowing. Yeah. And my whole concept of what God was or my higher power, I don't even, I mean, like, source, energy, whatever, shifted. Like, to to the point to where when those old thoughts would creep up, and even Ken sometimes, I mean, not so much now, but, like, those old thoughts of, like, oh, things, you know, hold your breath. I'm like, oh, no, I don't believe that anymore. Like, I was able to actually, like, tell myself I don't believe in that anymore. Like, I don't believe in a punishing God anymore. And I, like, suddenly felt like God could in every area of my life, including food stuff, even if there's a struggle. Like, I just knew that it was possible. Like, I just knew that, like, anything was possible because here I was, unable to stay sober, and now I'm staying sober, and that's weird. Like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Now you're almost 10 years sober. No, it's really weird. And then my husband, you know, we had been split apart, but we had a dog together. The dog really, like, kept us in contact. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm not going to be one of those, like, weird people who doesn't let him see his dog, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he started coming back around, and I was just kind of, like, done. Like, I didn't want to be with him, and I told him, like, I was really emotionally shut down from him, and he was, like, desperate for sobriety. And he started, like, I actually, I had gone to, like, a somebody's, like, sober birthday and at Linda's, <laughs> where every party was at that time, and... And I told him I was there because he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm here. And he was like, I didn't think he would really come. He was like, right, he drove a motorcycle at the time. I was like, he's not going to come. Like, but he came. But then like by the time he got there, I was like, we hung out for a little bit, but I was getting ready to leave because someone was moving away. We were going to like karaoke. We were doing something. And it was really hard for me not to change my plans to like babysit him. But I, but I like also had learned that like, the part of the reason he couldn't get sober was because I kept throwing a pillow under his body. Like every time he was about to, like I was there, you know, as the safety net. And I went, I went to karaoke. It was like, took, it was hurt my skin, you know? Mm. And he met a guy who he saw him and Linda gave them her bedroom and sat in her living room and they worked the steps on her bed. And he cried and opened up and like, I mean, it saved his life, like working with him that night. It's really wild. And he's a hope to die drunk. And he had his own experience. And then weird, like, you know, I used to tell people, oh, we're, I'm done. I am done, done. We are done. And then, like, the universe has a sense of humor. And then I married him. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got pregnant and we got married. And he's sober almost 10 years, too, because his sobriety date's November, because I'll always be more sober than him. (laughs) Always and forever. Always and forever. (laughs) And what's crazy about, I mean, your husband is a different person. Like, totally different. People don't, people who know him now don't have no no they cannot wrap they don't like I couldn't even explain him to them no no and he's and very dark when he was loaded and he was very angry he was very scary he was very very he had a lot of like tri- childhood trauma and like yeah like horrendous things happen in his like teen like, just things that like people shouldn't go through and like I think it made him and then you know, his parents went through this terrible divorce like I just think he was so had so much yeah. anger to work through yeah I mean before he and I met he would get in like fist fights all the time like really hurt people. Yeah. He's never been in a fist fight since we've been together, but like I've seen it almost happen. Yeah. When we were when he when we were like first started dating. Yeah. <laughs> like I would we just had like a coat. I'm like, reel it in, reel it in. Like it was like because <laughs> I was scared. I'm like, yeah. he could really hurt somebody. No, he's no, like, he's a big he's strong. He's yeah. a big guy. He's and a man. <laughs> he has really <laughs> he is real you know, watching him that's the thing. Having a front row seat to that has yeah. been the most like incredible thing because that's like 
it's harder to see it in yourself. Right, but you can see it in others. But I can see it in him. And even, like, before, like, yes, I was a hot mess, but I could still pull off a bit of a double life. I could still be really, like, I knew because of where I grew up and how I grew up, like, how to say the right things and to present a certain way and to be socially acceptable and to, like, I mean, up until a point. But, like, I could, like, turn it on. Like, I'm an actress. You know what I mean? Like, I, like... I'm a good liar. Like, maybe not now. I can't really lie now. But I was a very good, like, performer at, at like that. But he was straight up, Mm-mm. had no interest in even pretending to be normal. Yeah, that's how I was. Yeah, like, there was no, yeah. there was no interest Mm-mm. in, in like, he wouldn't even lie. Like, his mom would be like, you know, he'd get in trouble. I shouldn't tell his story. But anyways, he would, he would, his mom always jokes that it was like, she's like, well, he would like, leave when I told him not to, but he would tell me he was leaving. Tell me we were like, nope, I'm going here. Bye. Like just like really, like really honest, but also that's scary because you can't stop a person like that. No, it was interesting. It's funny you say that. My mom once the, she found, I had a big dictionary under my bed. It's not what I thought you were going to (laughs) say. Holy moly. Oh my God. Okay. Keep going. You should keep that. that. (laughs) No, don't cut that. Okay. Don't get that. So good. I had a big dictionary under my bed. <laughs> Why I don't know. And I had a bunch of meth on it. Oh. And my mom, pull, like, she finds this and she does what parents do, which I do it now too. Which is, what is this? You know, the whole like, you, like you know yeah. what it is, and you're like, what is this? What is this? And I'm like, it's meth. <laughs> and we just had this moment where she just looks at like, me. She's like, oh, she's like, you're not even try to lie. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I was a liar. Yeah. Like my mom would ask me what that funny smell was coming from my room, and I would tell her it was herbal incense. Right. It was pot. Yeah, right. That's obviously. like a whole other thing. I was like, but it, she like believed. See, my it was so different. Like my family was like sheltered or something. Like I don't know. So if she had found like. Like, one time she found a bong, like, made out of a honey bear, and they, like, wanted to get it tested for hard dr- – like, they went to get it tested for hard drugs. <laughs> I lied and said it was somebody else's, like, a friend, and they got it – they were like, it just it just tested for pot. And I'm like, did you think that was a crack pipe, like, out of a honey bear? And I genuinely think they thought it was a crack pipe made out of a honey bear. That's the house I grew up in. It was like – like my dad drank, but not alcoholically. But like they, but drugs were bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. And he was in Vietnam. I'm like, why were you not? A pot? Like, you probably could have used to smoke a little weed, like <laughs> mellow out a little. But um, but they were just not professional. Tuned in. They were not like they were in a different place. Yeah. Like, they were in a different operating until. Like I would like to think that I'm a little bit more in tune with like what's going on. With the youth. I mean, I'm still kind of a door. The youth. The youth of America. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I'm not the youth anymore. It's kind of sad. And then, it, yeah. Anyways, I have a lot of things to say about that, too. But <laughs> it's a different podcast. Okay. So your life, like, let's talk about, a little bit about your life today. And I want people okay. to, I want people like to. See the contrast. Kind yeah, of, yeah. Well, I want people to understand that making this change how this happens, how this comes to be, and and the work that goes along mm-hmm, with it, mm-hmm. and kind of where your eating disorder is today, and where that plays, okay. like what that where that is today. So I I like I said like that second that other that relapse the big relapse I was like still struggling, but then we were doing speed, and so then I was skinny again, and I was happy. I mean I wasn't happy, but like you know what I mean. Like it was just like a solution. Yeah, which is like really sad. But um, and then we got sober again, and. Or I got sober again, and I wasn't, I wasn't engaging in an eating disorder. I was still like, I mean, look, you're a, the brain of somebody who has had an eating disorder, especially to like, in my at least my experience. It's only my experience. I think that there's a lot of recovery 
that comes after the physical parts of it. It's like the thinking and stuff. So if you flash forward, I guess the best thing to flash forward to is like getting pregnant. So I was Mm. struggling on and off Mm. up until I got pregnant. Like I would have bouts and I got pregnant and I was, it was like done. Like there's, there's no more throwing up your food on purpose. Like there's just not, like, it's just not an option. Like I was sick my first trimester. I would, and it was kind of weird because, like, I would throw up and I was like, Am I making my, like, but I wasn't. Yeah. But it's like this weird mind yeah, yeah. screw. That, like, I, that like, totally makes sense to me. Yeah. And I was like, I like, even if I get sick now, like, I have to like check with myself because I could still like probably bend over and throw up if I wanted to. Yeah. Just like your body, like, you can, yeah, you could. probably could. You just don't know you can. Yeah. No. Actually, no, you're really bad at throwing up. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's gross. But, um, so no, I, so I got pregnant. I had a really, I had, after I was, I was sick the first trimester, but then after that, and I was, you know, that's hard. And then I had a very healthy pregnancy, um, had a really long labor, had the baby, and then I experienced postpartum anxiety, which I had, like, ugh, it was just hard. I just was like, I didn't, well, I had a really long labor. I was in labor for like 36 hours, and I hadn't slept in that whole time. And then when we were at the hospital, I didn't sleep much at all. Um, I think I, had a, I was really sensitive to the hormones. And then we came home and I was very sleep deprived. Like I was delusional. Like I had fallen, <laughs> so crazy. I had fallen asleep when we got home <laughs> and I like woke up in a frenzy. And I, I, I asked my, I was like, where's the chicken? Where's the chicken? I thought she was a baby chicken. <laughs> so ridiculous. So that's my starting point at home. <laughs> He's like, she's in the coop. <laughs> I thought we had a baby chick. And I was like, and then I like settled Are you sure that's postpartum anxiety? No, I think it was sleep deprivation. I was (laughs) like extremely tired. Like like I hadn't slept. Yeah. But sober, you know? And so. um, (laughs) The chicken. (laughs) We still joke about it. She did kind of look like a baby chick. But um, (laughs) she was in the crib. He's like, I moved her. Because I passed out on the bed. Like. And so that was my starting point, and I did experience, like, baby blues. I felt down, but what happened was – and I ended up I ended up treating it. But, like, that was just where I – so that was, like, the beginning of my postpartum experience was, like, I, like obsessive thinking and, like, imagining falling down flights of stairs, holding the baby, like, crazy yeah. stuff. I mean, I felt connected to her. So, like, it was, like, it's – you could file that under postpartum depression, but yeah. it was – it really manifested more in a sense of, like – not being able to sleep when I was given opportunities to sleep because, yeah. like, my brain was spinning. Yeah. And so um, I ended up getting on medication six yeah. weeks postpartum, which, like, totally helped. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. It was like – I just had that feeling of, like, shouldn't I be enjoying this more? Like, this is crazy because I was uh, – yeah. Anyway, so I went through that. I'm the wrong person to ask. And I did <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what normal is. But yeah, and then I did, I like, you know, you're left with this postpartum body, which is totally Mm. crazy for somebody, for anybody, let alone somebody who's had body image issues their whole life. And, um, but then I trained for like a half marathon and that was helpful because like I was really active and I was going to the gym. But then I was like, would like just fluctuate, you know, like I was still struggling with, I mean, I mean, I still, whatever. I was still struggling with food. I just wasn't, like, throwing up. So it was, like, up and down, up and down. That was your bottom line. Yeah, that was my bottom line. I mean, I definitely, I I don't know specifically when. I'm sure I've had, I'm sure in that span there was, like, a relapse at some point. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't I can't specifically put my finger on it, but, like, I don't, I don't have, like, a date in mind that's, like, oh, this is, I haven't thrown up since this date, but, like, it's been a long time. I mean, this was, like, seven years ago. So then I, um, but then just have struggled with my relationship with food and, and really then at five years sober got to a point where I got 
really present to the way I was thinking and talking to myself and realizing like I was just really done being mean to myself. And that was like where a lot of the stuff was stemming from was just this like mean voice inside, like negative self-talk. And so I started to work on that and um, started to like change the negative thoughts into affirmations and did a bunch of work on it and like um, started to I felt so freaking good. Like I had probably never felt like that whole or good in my life. I was like really in a great space. (laughs) And then I got pregnant (laughs) again. And it was like, oh my God, like it really, I had a very rough pregnancy with my second because I was sick the whole time. I literally felt hungover every day. Mm -hmm. And you did too. You were going through it too with twins, which is like, I don't know how, but, but it was, it felt like a spiritual hit because I was like, doing all this great stuff and feeling so good. And then I was just lethargic and nauseous and like tired. And my husband and I were arguing. It was just hard. It was like a hard hard. time. I was so grateful to be pregnant because I really wanted to be pregnant. But it was just, it felt like a big setback, like spiritually and emotionally. And after I had Frankie, but then after I had Frankie, like I felt really good. And since then, like, you know, like I don't engage in an eating disorder, which is a miracle and a blessing. And I'm, and I do consider myself to be in recovery, but that doesn't mean that everything's always easy. And I'm like, like nothing's ever a struggle and I still can like fluctuate, you know what I mean? So it's like, I still have that voice that I have to be like, shh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't throw up my food no matter what. And I'm, st- it's like all learning and it's like, loving yourself anyway, loving yourself unconditionally, deciding that you're going to accept and love yourself like in this moment and like embrace, like, I, you know, life's too short. Like if I died tomorrow, would, would anybody talk about what size my jeans were? No. Like I was going to say probably not, but definitely not. Like definitely not. And I do like for me, recovery looks like from the eating disorder looks like I've never, like, I don't utter one negative word about my body to, in front of my children. I mean, I just don't, I don't talk negatively about my body mostly. I mean, yeah. I, sometimes I joke with my friends, but, like, even then it's, like, I don't, it'll seep in. So, like, I have to be careful with that, you know. I want them to have a positive body image, you know. I have a squishy tummy. And guess what? Like, mommy has a squishy postpartum belly. And it's so great. Isn't it so great? It carried you guys. Yeah. Like, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, they, they, know, they, you know, they touch you and notice you mm-hmm. and smother you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, but I don't know, like just being like, okay with who you are, because there's like beauty in that. Like when I see people who I think are beautiful, they're not perfect. Yeah. They, they could have cellulite, but it's like the way they carry themselves or think of themselves. So it's like, where we live, there's a lot of pressure. We live in a beach culture area. Yeah. There's a lot of genetically blessed people. Very blessed. It's very weird. But I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, like, how... But we are... I, I want to feel good. Like, I want to feel happy. Like, how, I don't know. Like, I'm not willing to kill myself to fit into, like, one mold. Yeah. That, like, who decided that that's the one way to be? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's amazing, and and your life now is so cool, and all the yeah, you it's know. a great life. And like, I live, you know, we are sober without wine o'clock. We're yeah. moms. We're sober moms sober without moms wine o'clock. Without wine o'clock, which is like a miracle. Yeah, sometimes I need a glass of wine. Yeah, but then I think I just don't need a glass of wine because I won't drink one glass. Of wine. Yeah. I've never drank. Like, I think I, think I, think I, I need a need bottle, like, but I would then I'm like well, the bottle is really only four glasses. It's, so you really need like two bottles. Yeah, it gets, starts to get out. Of, like, or maybe a bottle and a Xanax. 100%. Is that normal? I don't think that's normal. I don't know. Do normal people drink a bottle? 
Bob no. Is, oh, oh we're getting no. a no. Okay, we're getting, we're getting a no. no producer, producer says, uh, no. She's not alcoholic. No, she's not alcoholic, mm-hmm. so she knows. Yeah. That's our gauge. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's, so I, it's just not a realistic, like, you know, just that, it's not a realistic idea that I would, like, have a glass of wine at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's just been so fun growing up sober with you totally. and, like, seeing us from it's, kids and, and seeing this, these relationships. And these are, you know, people have friendships over long spans of time. I mean, I see that out in the world. But it's when you have been through what we've been through and together and, you know, I was around when when you got loaded and I was around when you got got sober again and all the all the different things and you've been around for my dramas and, and just the beauty of having that community and, and knowing someone yeah. at that level has been, you know, has been a, a really – a real blessing. So yes, people in Orange County, there are many genetically blessed, but I, <laughs> but I think that I, you know I, I I think that we've our life has been really blessed by our recovery and and what we've done and the hard work that we've come through to change our lives. Totally, it's wild. Like it's that whole thing, like two two lives in one lifetime or whatever they say. <laughs> to that like thing. ten. Yeah, really, it's ten lives. Yeah, but um, no, and I just think like I don't know. It's really. It's almost like I have to remind myself of what it was like. I think that's why we, like, continue to go to meetings yes. and continue to, like, tell our story. Because I— Have to. I, like, I pain has a short-term memory to begin with. And then, like, beyond that, my life looks so freaking different <laughs> that it's like I, I don't even relate to the girl in Prescott. I know. You know what I mean? Like, I know. To the drunken, skateboarding, bangs-having yeah. girl. No, I, I feel that same way. Like, who is that? Yeah. 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 So I don't so know. Removed it's from been, it. It's it's like a weird thing. And then it's like just like also making peace with that girl. Yeah. And feeling compassion for her. Yeah. And like not being ashamed, I guess. Yeah. Which has been a big thing for you with the blogging stuff it's been and a really coming out. Big thing because you know? I didn't share that publicly because I felt like here's the thing. I felt really conflicted about like breaking my anonymity because I didn't want to be I don't want to represent the recovery community because yeah. it's just me. It's my story. It's my opinion. And if I'm being really honest, I didn't want to be, I was afraid of being judged. Yeah. I have a kid in first grade and I felt like, like I didn't want to be the weird person or I didn't want to like not be invited places yeah. or whatever. But then it was like, this is so stupid. Like I'm sharing my whole life authentically. I'm sharing my motherhood journey. I'm sharing about postpartum anxiety. I'm sharing about like struggles with marriage, like all, not even, you know, just everything like is on the table. And then this major part of who I am. And then I, it leads to these really awkward situations with people when they're like, want to have a cocktail with you because they don't know. Right. And then it's like, how do you make, it's just, it was just almost like got harder to like not tell than to tell. And now it's like, it's just out there. It's out there for the world. <laughs> well, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. and sharing your story and, and being authentic here. And hopefully, you know, Hopefully people will relate to your story. And your blog is amazing, chasingmcallisters.com. Will you spell that for us? Yes, Chasing McAllisters is C-H-A-S-I-N-G-M-C-A-L-L-I-S-T-E-R-S.com or on Instagram, Chasing McAllisters. Yes. Yes. I mean, same spelling. Yes. Yeah, so um, Emily is an amazing blogger and and writes about motherhood and and lifestyle and and she also is an amazing amazing photographer. So stay tuned for that. Check that stuff out, and uh, we'll talk soon. Peace out. Peace. <laughs> the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast, would like to thank our sponsor Lion Rock Recovery for their support. 
Lion Rock Recovery provides online substance abuse counseling where you can get help from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit www.lionrockrecovery.com backslash podcast. Subscribe and join our podcast community to hear amazing stories of courage and transformation. We are so grateful to our listeners and hope that you will engage with us. Please email us comments, questions, anything you want to share with us, how this podcast has affected you. Our email address is podcast at lionrockrecovery.com. We want to hear from you.